Welcome to episode two of The Right Start. My name is Lisa Iannucci, and I've been a full-time freelance writer for more than 28 years. On this podcast, we'll talk about the ins and outs of being a freelance writer, how to pitch ideas and market yourself, how to handle rejection, and how to make money. Most importantly, I'll help you to define and achieve your version of success, and you'll learn a lot from interviews with some of the best in the business. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. While I was downsizing my home, I came across some really old tear sheets of my early work. I wrote about celebrities and parenting, real estate, lifestyle, health, computers, and even did restaurant reviews. You name it, I probably wrote about it. I was all over the place, but I just loved writing, so I pretty much wrote whatever editor wanted me to write about. I knew, though, that to be really good at what I wanted to do, I needed to hone in on just a little bit of this. Some writers do want to write about anything, but the truth is you really can't write about everything. So I started listening to my gut feelings. While I love eating, I knew that reviewing restaurants wasn't for me. I wrote about computers and the internet, and while some of what I wrote about were about kids and the internet or the newest sites that were fun, the truth is that computers and technology change so quickly, I just can't keep up. So what else did I discover? I discovered I loved writing about health and celebrities, TV and film, and parenting, and I loved writing profiles on really interesting people. So for a while, I tried to stick with just those topics. So my tip for you today is to write down a list of topics that interest you. What are the ones you want to write about, and what are the ones that you just maybe want to read about? What are you comfortable writing about, even if there is a little bit of research? While you're starting your career, you might be asked to cover things you really don't want to cover. Try to stay in tune with what makes you comfortable, because if you don't, it will definitely come out in your writing. So today's interview is with someone who has specialized in health writing for a while. She's going to talk about the path that got her there, and she didn't start out as a health writer, so this is really interesting. Enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. On this edition of The Right Start, I talked to full-time freelance writer Rita Colorito, who ditched the corporate jobs and began freelancing full-time in 2002. She writes for magazines and websites, as well as writing content marketing articles for clients. Her work has appeared in dozens of national media outlets, including Bankrate.com, Costco Connections, the Chicago Tribune, MedShadow.org, NextAvenue.org, Prevention.com, and Yahoo Finance. Now I'm bringing on a lot of my friends who I know can bring a lot of really great information to you. So I want to welcome someone I'm so proud to call a close friend, Rita Colorito. Hey, Rita, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lisa. Um, so let me ask you, were, are you like me? Did you always want to be a writer, or is that something that, since you had corporate work, maybe came to you later in your life? Uh, no, I had always wanted to be a writer. I um, had always wanted to be an English major. So um, it, that was it kind of evolved from that. So, yeah, just like you. Just like me. So now you go the corporate route, and why not jump right into, like, you know, people are, like, out of college, and they jump into just full-timing or something like that. Like, why go the corporate route first? Well, it wasn't so much corporate as it was. So my first job was an association job. 
um, for a construction association because um, I had gone to college in Washington, D.C. That was my internship, and then they hired me. Um, so actually, I was working in their communications department. Um, I did corporate work after, well, consulting work after graduate school. So in between there, you know, it was not really a straight path anyway. It was um, a lot of association work. Um, intermingled, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And so, like, when when you're doing this, this association work and you're working the 9 to 5, when does the freelance writing bug hit you when you're like, you know, I don't really want to be doing this. I want to be writing full time. Right. So, um, so I'll backtrack. So I had um, stayed in that association job. It was a communications job and writing for their um, staff publication um, or association publication. And then I went to graduate school for, and this sounds strange, um, my other love was foreign languages and foreign affairs. So I got my master's um, in, in international affairs, but my concentration was international communications. I know, that's long-winded. Um, <laughs> so it was a journalism concentration within foreign affairs. Um, and so... After that, my writing focused on um, foreign policy and press freedom issues. But before I got into that, I was doing consulting work. So I was doing actually corporate and international political consulting work. Wow. <laughs> um, and I liked some of the clients, and some of the clients were not uh, the political clients weren't um, let's say, more at my proudest moment. Um, mm-hmm. So I quit um, and decided that I wanted to pursue, you know, freelance writing and writing about foreign policy and press freedom issues. Um, tried to do that for a little while, did do that for a little while. Um, wrote for um, the International Women's Media Foundation, uh, wrote their newsletter. Uh, very heavy topics, uh, you know, pr- press killings, um, uh, press freedom issues, and... Um, there's not really a lot of money in that outside of um, a very small sphere. So, <laughs> so I realized if I wanted to keep writing, I needed to do something that people actually, in a wider audience, wanted to read. So right now, your, your topics that you write about include, but aren't limited to, health, finance, caregiving, safety. Like, so... How did you decide, okay, well, I, I want to step away a little bit from this, and I'm going to start writing on these topics instead? Like, where, how do you make that transition? Because a lot of our readers are probably going to be in the same boat where they're writing about one thing but not making enough money and need to expand a little bit. Right, and it's funny that you should mention all those um, because I just had a, a recent um, – a revelation that I wanted to just focus even more specifically on just health writing um, because at a certain point uh, trying to juggle so many topics gets overwhelming. Um, especially with health, you need to kind of be able to delve in and follow the, those medical studies and follow the, the new research on whatever topics you're covering in order to do it effectively. Um, but to go back again, um, yeah, so one thing I did was I joined um, freelance success. Com, 
And that really helped me get my freelance career up and running because I was kind of doing things scattershot. I was, was sending pitches on all these, again, at the time, all these topics still related to press freedom and foreign policy and international media, and it just wasn't going anywhere. Um, and so freelance success, which has a lot of other um, professional writers on there, really helped me hone in on what, you know, how to approach it as a business. Um, I wasn't really approaching it as a business um, and having a game plan going forward um, and marketing, you know, how to market yourself. Um, so that was one thing that started me. Um, the next thing was I read um, Six Figure, The Six Figure Freelancer, and that's by Kelly uh, James. Um, and that, she... She's actually a friend of ours, and she <laughs> talks a lot about specialization and had mentioned, you know, the top specialties that get a lot of editors, you know, interested and that there's a lot of content available and that get assignments, um, what editors want to see because readers want to read. Um, you know, things like finance and health and, and technology. I, I wasn't interested in technology. I did parenting for a little bit, but um, just wasn't my thing. Um, but health, I'd always written about it a weird way. Um, I had, even when I was uh, writing for a construction association, I wrote stuff on, you know, safety in the, uh, on the construction site and health on the construction site. And uh, the very first article I ever wrote um, was for my high school publication. Uh, it was actually a health article. It was, how come, you know, we didn't have better, healthier food in the cafeteria? And that article led to the cafeteria getting um, salads and yogurt, <laughs> which sounds strange, but that was, I guess I'd always been interested in health. Um, you know, it's something that most people are interested in. Uh, most of us have a concern regarding, you know, either an existing condition or something that we want to prevent. Um, or a concern of family members of what they're going through. So uh, it was a font of ideas. Mm -hmm. So I chose that. I also did some personal finance because um, I was uh, interested in, you know, building my own wealth, I guess. Uh, so and some of, sometimes those two things intersected. Uh, I did a lot of writing on insurance um, and, and paying for health care. Mm -hmm. So, so let me uh, let me yeah. stop you there because like did you as you're writing this you know we talked about you working these jobs and and these this is what you write now to get from point A to point B were you writing on the side while you were working nine to five so that like you built that part of your business up before you quit yeah. and went full time like how did that work? Oh, um, let's see. So the first time I did both was after graduate school. So I was doing the political consulting and um, would write some um, op-eds and essays um, and every now and then uh, land um, just an article about, you know, foreign policy or something to that effect. But very, it was not a business. I wasn't really doing it very effectively. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I quit that, um, the next, I guess, staff job that I landed was only part-time. So I had to, um, for the American Foreign Service Association, so again, still kind of 
<laughs> doing the foreign policy thing and, and writing. It was it was a writing position. Um, I was writing their newsletter. Um, but it was only part-time, so I needed to make up other income. So that's when I started writing, um, doing pursuing the freelance writing on a part-time basis. Uh, so, yeah, not fully... Not fully out of, you know, the employed world, if that makes any sense. No, that's actually good because you still had some stability of an income, but you're working on developing the freelance side. So when do you decide, what would you tell people about deciding like what the right time is for them to make that jump to the full-time side of it? Um, I guess when, see, yeah, I, I guess... I wouldn't say that I'm the perfect example because then um, my fiance and I moved to Indiana where he um, was pursuing his grad degree and I worked for the alumni association there, again, in a um, staff um, editorial position and was also, while I was on staff there full-time, did also write. That's when I was writing for the International Women's Media Foundation as a freelancer. Um, So... And those were very heavy, long topics. So mm-hmm. I, um, that took up a lot of time, a lot of my free time um, out of work. And the, when I made the transition was when I, um, after I got married and we adopted our son, and I tried to, um, you know, I, I did not want to be in the corporate world anymore. I did not want a staff job. Um, and yet... Freelancing was still only part-time because there was so much else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also took care of my both my elderly parents. They were much older, um, and I'm an only child. So, yeah, it's not very linear. Um, uh, it does help when you have a spouse that's also working. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's some writers want to pretend that that's not true. It, it is absolutely true. It does help to have a second income. Um, I don't know, um, I, I can't offer advice without, I guess, putting that caveat in there. Right. Um, it helps to have a nest egg um, to fall back on financially, um, you know, several months saved up, or having enough clients that you know are going to give you steady work before you make that jump. Right, right. Um, and I didn't have that either, Um yeah. <laughs> well, 22, 20 some or almost 20 years later, I should say, I mean, your career is going really well. Um, you, you've had a lot of success. Um, let me ask you a couple questions about like finding ideas, um, to pitch editors. Like how do you, how do you find story ideas to, to pitch your editors? Um, you know, is there do you have a, like a routine of looking for them on a regular basis? Like everybody's different, you know, for me, it's something has to fall into my lap. Like I don't really go searching, you know, I may just find something and say, Hey, that's going to make a great story. But what about you? How, how do your story ideas come about? So, yeah, when I first started out, um, overriding both, um, health and personal finance, I really looked at just, you know, that old adage, write what you know. So it is what I was going through um, health-wise, what my parents were going through health-wise, and thinking, oh, you know, I wonder if people know this on X, about X, Y, and Z. Um, so some of my first articles were on um, elder caregiving, um, issues with the elderly, um, you know, on um, 
issues I was going through, endometriosis, I'm trying to think of what else, um, hypothyroidism, <laughs> so I kind of mined what I already knew and was able to pitch very specific um, articles to editors on those topics. Um, so I didn't go, you know, far afield on something that I, I wouldn't have written about fitness because that's not my forte. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yet, um, and Kelly James writes a lot about fitness. That that was her forte. Um, so I think it's, you know, goes back to write what you know uh, and try to find in a unique angle that you think that readers might not know about or that they haven't heard enough about. Uh, and try to update it with new studies or new information. Because editors will always ask you, you know, why, especially in health, well, why should we cover this and what's new on the topic? Right. Now, now the interesting thing, there's two things interesting that you said. You said write about what you know, which I love because my poor kids were like subjects of so many of my pitches when they, when they were little because if I went through something with them health-related, I pitched an editor, you know, so I really hope they don't Google search their own names, because (laughs) there's a lot out there on them. Um, But, you know, and the other thing too is, is, um, you know, you talked about, um, you know, the fitness isn't your forte. Now, I think as a health writer, it's interesting, because you don't have a health background. You're not a nurse. You're not a doctor. So right. how do you balance out your, your article with your sources? Like how do you find those, those sources to make it uh, truly, hey, this is real medical advice article? Right. So it's interesting that you bring that up because when I tell people that I'm a health writer, um, I've gotten so, over the years, I've gotten that questions like, so are you, you, were you a biology major in college? Were you, nope, nope, nope. Um, And so now my, um, I preempt them by saying, I'm not the expert, I interview the experts. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, nothing of what I write is my opinion um, in terms of any health um, articles. It's all backed up by um, science-based medical studies and um, recognized experts, Uh, not People that have written a book on the topic, there's many doctors that have written books on topics, and half of that book is not even backed by science. So um, I'm very careful about that. Um, So, yeah, so that's my elevator speech is I'm not the expert, but I Mm -hmm. interview the experts, and I had, since I've built up some clips, I've joined the... um, Association of Healthcare Journalists, and that's a really good resource for someone who wants to get into health writing. I mean, you do need to become um, a member in order to get access to all the resources, but it's a good overview of what health journalism is. Um, So there's some things that um, people interested can look at uh, to get started. Um, And so I guess it's important to know how to read a study and um, how to choose which studies to look at. Um, I do get the most up-to-date studies by going on pubmed.gov, and I focus mostly on studies that are called meta-analysis, where they look at all the studies on that topic to date, and they weight uh, the data, so it's comparing apples to apples as much as they can, and to come up with it, Uh, and those 
articles uh, based on those studies reach a you know conclusion as to the validity of that science, mm-hmm. um, or reviews of literature where um, the study author is looking at all the the literature on a topic and coming up with science-based conclusions. Um, Wow. So, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, if you want, you know, it's because with health information, you know, it is a matter of life and death on many things, as we're seeing with COVID-19, and Mm -hmm. misinformation can really hurt somebody. Right. Um, So, there are certain publications I will not write for um, because, and don't pitch, and certain topics I will not write on. Personally, other people do, and and that yeah, everyone has their own threshold. But mm-hmm. there are just certain things I will not write on, and certain publications I won't write for because they promote uh, non-science-based information. Um, Let me ask you, too, like, in addition to your sources, um, a lot of articles include people who have gone through particular medical situations and might say, hey, I have a great story to tell about how I had cancer and I cured it doing X, Y, and Z. And and how, how do you weed out the people who have legit stories to tell versus somebody who's really, you know, a, what do they call that, a snake oil person? You know, where it's, you you didn't cure your, your cancer doing X, Y, and Z, or whatever the case may be. Um, that's hard, because so many people out there right. have these amazing stories that really are hard to believe. How, how do you do that as a journalist? Well, I don't, I don't tend, tend to write those stories. I, I don't, pitch stories that, well, first, I don't pitch a lot of stories anymore. So in the beginning, I was pitching a lot of, like you said, ideas and articles. Um, I used to, and this is helpful to know, too, um, I used to pitch probably 20 or 30 pitches a week. You have to get out when you're first starting a lot of ideas and pitches to editors to land even just 10% and get some assignments. Um, I've been at this long enough that now I'm mostly assigned things from editors I already know. Um, so they have an, you know, a story idea or something that they want to have covered. Um, I write for some um, various medical associations, and they provide the patients that they want interviewed. Um, but going to your addressing your specific question about those unbelievable, like miracle um, patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever tackled something like that. Um, you know, it's, that's it, why it's I, don't, hard. I don't usually, I don't go on books to, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them have written books, right? Yeah, <laughs> Especially yeah. with cancer. Um, and if you read their book, I don't, I don't usually, but if you read their blogs about their book, which I have read, you'll find out that they in fact did do X, Y, and Z Western medicine. They did take chemo and they did do radiation and then a year later, they decided to do the keto diet or do, um, you know, cl- get rid of all gluten. And they attributed their health recovery to the gluten-free diet. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, if you read back through their posts, they, in fact, did do the chemo. They, in fact, did do the radiation. Um, yeah, so that's why I, I don't go off or I don't interview someone just because they wrote, wrote a book on it. 
Yeah, especially since nowadays, thanks to self-publishing, anybody can write anything that isn't fact-checked, um, you know, that isn't sourced, that doesn't go through an editing process. Um, I've been a, a judge on several self-published writing contests, and the stuff that I see ranges from amazing writing work to stuff that people should just leave in their closet because it, it's really, you, you can't, like you said, in a day and age, you know, where medicine plays a really, you know, it's a life or death situation for some people, the wrong person could pick up that book, read what you did, and it could damage them. And it, that's right. scary. And so I don't write books. So I can't really, you know, address mm-hmm. that. I do know that the... Um, like you were saying, there's the fact, lack of fact-checking, but it's the editorial process and the book contract process, even the ones that aren't self-published. Um, the contracts are now written so that the liability for the misinformation falls on the author, not on the publisher. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's no incentive for the publisher to demand that that be accurate medical information. Right. Um, you know, they're just looking at, oh, how, you know, this sounds like a great miracle story, and we know that there's going to be people that want to buy that. Um, they know that they, you know, desperation feeds the marketing. Um, mm-hmm. What I can tell you from medical stories that I've written for, uh, you know, even magazines like Self, um, who had a very thorough editorial process, anyone I've written for has asked for the source of the medical evidence, you know, the study that cites that that, that uh, therapy works or, you know, which source said that specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so if it's thoroughly fact-checked, it's in, um, and it has to be the most up-to-date study, too. I have clients that I write for that are even corporate clients in the health space, and they don't want medical studies that are any older than a couple of years old because they want the latest evidence. Um, right. Right. So you actually have a better shot reading something um, on a health site online, knowing that that's up to date and um, accurately sourced than you do have with a book. But again, I don't write books. But right, that's right. Just for your no, readers that's, that's who true. are interested in health, it's absolutely true. And and you are a wealth of information and this interview has been amazing for the the tips and suggestions you've given out the resources that writers should use to improve their writing and you know and um, build their career I think is amazing and I am so happy that you said yes to me when I asked you to come on this podcast and how can my listeners follow you or learn more about you give out your social media uh, oh gosh. Um, well, I don't really, I mean, I'm on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. which is under RitaColorido.com. I don't, or RitaColorido.com is my website that mm-hmm. I still need to update. It's <laughs> always <laughs> on the back burner. Um, and I don't really, I don't really tweet a lot about health. Every now and then it's sporadic. It's just, um, right now my focus is on protecting the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I my Twitter feed is actually, you know, pretty political. Um, so, but, um, hey, that's okay. That, it, that's, 
that's okay. We are in that time frame where everything is political and, and what you're focusing on, I think, is fantastic. And I I thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Like I said, you, you gave out a really lo- a lot of good information. And um, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. And it was a pleasure. And I hope that I gave some, you know, helpful advice. It's kind of after 22 years, it's, you know, where <laughs> I find myself now. And the advice I give now, I guess, is kind of different from what I would give, you know, back then. But hopefully it was helpful. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rita, for coming on the show. I hope you all enjoyed this interview. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you can get notified when I put up new episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at the Right Start Podcast or on Twitter at Right Start Pod. I also have a Facebook page, so just search for the Right Start Podcast. If you have any questions about writing, feel free to email me at the Right Start Podcast at gmail.com and I'll try to answer them on the air. In the meantime, keep working hard on that dream. I'll see you all next week.